Welcome to Campfire Football and Happy New Year. I'm Sebastian North and today I'm just going to go ahead and give you all a little bit of my just awards from 2020. All right. There is almost there's way too much, way too much to cover, way too much to talk about. There are so many things that I wish uh, that I could really cover on here because my initial brainstorming list that I had for all of this way too long, way too long. So first of all, this was a really, a really surreal year. Okay. We experienced things that we've never experienced before. Uh, as a coach, football stopped for me in every way, not just as a fan. I also had to stop working for a few months and it was really exciting to see when we started up again, right? No fans for a lot of us as well at the youth level. And it was just a very strange year. It was strange to be told, stay on lockdown. Don't do anything. Don't go to work. Don't go run errands. Stay at home and chill. You know, hard not to get bored, hard not to get yourself involved in any trouble if you didn't want. But, you know, this was a really, really interesting year for all of us. And on a football level, I think a lot of the moments from this year might just stick because of how strange and surreal this whole thing felt from the beginning. So, first, I just want to cover the sad part, RIPs. There's a few people that passed away this year who were professional footballers or involved in the game that left a little bit of a shock on me. It really got to me. The first one's Peter Whittingham. If some of you may not have any idea about him, but he passed away back in March when he was leaving a pub. He fell and, um, and hit his head. And I, I'm, I believe, you know, that he had hemorrhaging in his brain and didn't recover. And, and so he's 35 years old, played at Cardiff. So that was really sad. That shook me up. It always, you know, I'm 35. So that was something that kind of was like, oh, gosh, like so sad to see someone in that in that position and and that age go. Right. Jared Houllier, he was, I think, the best manager in the Premier League during the Ferguson and uh, Wenger era while he was there. And his Liverpool teams were very exciting to watch play. As a Chelsea fan, I always used to hate going up against his Liverpool teams. They were always really exciting. And he put together these fun, fun teams, great players. Diego Maradona, obviously, right? Uh, I think enough, we've all waxed lyrical about Diego. But I think the lesson that we should all take about Diego is, what did we want him to be? What did we expect Diego to be? A lot of people said that he was a flawed genius. Well, we're all flawed, so why not just call him a genius, right? Like, why do we need to go into the fact that he was troubled with this or that? It's only because we know, because he was such a liver, right? The guy lived and all out. And when we see people like that, I think a lot of the time – it can be hard, right, as a person to see someone live so exuberantly and be so successful that it then becomes easy to look at the things that maybe are on their dark side and, you know, bring them down a little bit because of it. Again, let's just enjoy the football. Just enjoy the football. And it's sad Diego went, but we, we do have a great catalog of, of goals and videos and now documentaries made about him to, to eulogize him. The final one is Papa Bubba Diop. He 
made a huge imprint on me because he scored against France in the 2002 World Cup. My mom's from France. You know, my family's French on her side, so I'm a big France fan. That was a tough one to take. And I loved what he did with Portsmouth uh, under Harry Redknapp uh, when the, when that team won a, a League Cup. That was really exciting to watch. And he was a driving force in their midfield. Great player to watch. All right. Slightly happier things, yes? Why not? Let's move on to some good things. So, on the side of football, let's go ahead and give a shout-out to some of the youngins coming through. We've got, first of all, Eduardo Camavinga. Really, really impressive young boy at Rennes coming through. Got his international debut for France and scored on his debut and looked looked the part. So, believe me, he is a player for the future. He's going to be really, really good. Another who had a breakout year this year, Erling Holland. I mean, we all knew that it was exciting that he was going to Dortmund. I don't think any of us expected the amount of goals he would score and just how good he would look at this level. He's taken everything in stride. It's been really, really incredible to see. Alfonso Davies, what a 2020 he had. I mean, he was not really an important player in Robert Kovac's Bayern. Hansi Flick comes in at the end of 2019, and then Alfonso Davies is essentially the best left back in the world for 2020. So huge credit to him. Really exciting for any Canada fans out there. You guys have some good players coming through. Uh, Pedri from Barcelona. Look, with Ansu Fati coming through, Ricky Pooch coming through, and now Pedri coming through, Barcelona should be excited about the young players that they've got. There's a few others. I think Minguesa looks really good as well. I really like Pedri. He's the one I, I that makes me most excited to watch. But I think his he's had a great year. And then the other one is Yusufa Mukoko. Look, we've been hearing about this kid for years now, right? I mean, if you haven't, you know, you weren't reading the you, you may have missed those articles a few years ago that said 13-year-old racking up goals at the with the U16s in the Borussia Dortmund Academy. This is what we were seeing. And so it's great to have finally seen him step on. I was watching the game where he scored his first goal, and he looks really comfortable at the professional level. So keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be a genuine, genuine force in the future. I'm going to give a longevity award as well. Got to praise the old guys that are still going. Now, I don't really want to... I don't really want to go into Zlatan and Messi and Ronaldo because we all know the numbers that they've been posting up in their 30s has been exceptional. And the way that they take care of themselves, the way they're still playing, yes, exceptional. Here are a few others that you may not know that well. Fabio Qualiarella, who plays at Sampdoria. If you don't know who he is, maybe if you've watched best goals of the year videos over the last few years, He's popped up. I think last year I saw he had two or three goals in someone's compilation, and they were all very much worthy. So he's kind of the guy that probably should have won a Puskas Award at this point, but maybe never will because he's 37. Uh, The youngest of this list is Luka Modric. Look, I remember seeing him when he broke out uh, when he was 18 years old. As a Chelsea fan, I was hoping that they would sign him. Instead, Tottenham did. And look, he just played 90 minutes against Ibar this weekend, and he still looks exactly the same. He does not look like he's slowed down one single bit. Thiago Silva, I think that his impact at Chelsea and the fact that PSG sort of let him go because they felt, well, this is probably the time where he's he's just not quite going to be at the same physical level. 
incredible what kind of stability he's brought to that Chelsea back line, which looked really, really just shaky for the last year and a half. Chris Wondolowski, got to give a shout out to an MLS player here. Top goal scorer in MLS history and still scoring. So he's just extending his record, right? This guy is 37 years old and he is still going and impressively also for a club where it's not easy right now. San San Jose has been struggling and it's the the fact that this 37-year-old is just continuing to be as reliable as he is. Great to see. And then Joaquin. This is the old man on the list, 39 years old. I saw him playing for the first time for Spain in the 2002 World Cup. Vicious winger. Really, really exceptional player. He's at Real Betis now, winding down his career. And he basically said, I feel good. If the club wants to take me back next season, great. I'll come back. So that's pretty cool. You know, these older guys, late 30s, We, when I was growing up, we never saw players playing past the age of 35. And now these there's guys doing this at the highest level consistently. That's awesome. Great for the game. Great for the game. All right. Who impressed me this year? Well, quite a few players did. Honestly, there there's a big list to choose from. As a Chelsea fan, I'm going to go ahead and say Edu Mendy. I knew Kepa was struggling last year. I didn't think that Kepa was going to the difference between Kepa and Edu Mendy would be that big. So that was impressive to me. Uh, Harvey Barnes at Leicester, love what he's been doing. I said it a couple days ago. I don't know what the ceiling is for this kid, and I think he's flying under the radar, and he's at the perfect place to do it. So I've really enjoyed what I've seen from him. Um, Weston McKinney. It's kind of surprising, right, that Andrea Pirlo comes in, starts as manager of Juventus, and I think the first really pinpointed type of signing that he had was Weston McKinney. So I want that guy from Schalke, that American, to be my number eight. Really, really, I just did not expect that. And, um, yeah, really, really impressive the way he's already gotten started. So that's exciting for any uh, USA fans as well. Yusuf Yazici, if you don't know who he is, he is a Turkish international. He's 23 years old, plays for Lille in France. Now, that is where my mother's family's from. So I'm a, I'm a Lille fan. Uh, this guy has two hat tricks in the Europa League this season. One against Slavia Prague, one against AC Milan in the San Siro. And I've been impressed because I watched him play a little bit last year. He had come from Trabs on Spore, had, had, um, was recovering from a, t- a bad injury, and I just didn't know why the club had spent the money that they did on him. But he's looking absolutely worth every penny right now. Uh, teams, there's always some cult favorite teams, hipster teams. So here's here's my little list of teams that I enjoyed just pulling for as a neutral. They're kind of the ones that you just ended up kind of romantically getting. You just started, you just fell in love with these teams the way they played, right? So I loved Atalanta. Who didn't? But it's also the depth of the team. Every time they bring a substitute on, you're like, oh, what's this person going to do, right? Uh, Luka Malinovsky, Lucas Muriel, uh, Duvan Zapata. I mean, there's so many uh, interesting players that they have there and who play beautiful football. I mean, Papu Gomez has been an amazing revelation over the last year as well. Josip Ilicic is a late bloomer. He's 32 years old, and he's going and having the best year of his career. So, you know, they were a great team to watch. I, I loved RB Leipzig. Honestly, the, the games that they played, very consistently, really, really exciting. 
Uh, <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann has a really, really just high-octane style, and he's got the technical players to do it. They score some magnificent goals, so watching them is worth it. Real Sociedad in Spain, they, uh, they've been able to chop and change. They had Martin Odegaard, who was kind of a star player for them at the, in the second part of last season, and then he actually is now you know playing at Real Madrid. They brought in David Silva. And so they have this really nice silky style. I watched them play against um, Sevilla a couple days ago. Really, really good game. Both excellent teams to watch. But Sociedad are a team to keep an eye on. If you if you want to watch a Spanish team that's kind of punching above their weight and really good, I recommend them. And I do recommend, you know, just a little bit biased, but Losc, Lille in France. Watch them if you want a team that's not PSG to support that has a pretty good track record. Look. Go ahead and take a look at the players that have exited that club for big money to other places. There's a lot of them. Some of them have worked out. Some of them not as much. But the key is that this is a team that consistently brings through really good young players. Renato Sanchez is there right now reviving his career. Timothy Weah is there right now growing his career. Jonathan David, the 20-year-old Canadian striker who came for big money from Ghent, who's scoring tons of goals in the Belgian League. He also came. So there's there's a really exciting team there. They're a lot of fun to watch. That's who I would recommend. Um, also, funnest games to watch. Look, RB Leipzig and Istanbul Bishakshi here probably wins game of the season for me uh, in terms of excitement. It was 4-3, incredible goals. Went back and forth. It was on match day five of the Champions League this past, you know, this December. So it was not that long ago. Any of you who are interested, go ahead and watch that game. Then there were a couple other interesting games to me. Uh, Liverpool losing 3-0 to Watford was this bizarre thing. It felt like everyone who was hating on Liverpool got at least the one wish that they really were going to, the only thing they could hope for. Because Liverpool were going to win the title, that was clear. But there were a lot of people terrified, especially Arsenal fans, that Liverpool would actually go invincible. And that day that Watford came in and pasted them was just this bizarre day because Liverpool also by that point knew they were going to win the title. It was done. And that wasn't even – that was before the lockdown. So very strange. And then the weirdest game, the most surreal, you all know, Barcelona against Bayern Munich. Felt like an end of an era type of game. And the fact that Messi came out to the club and said, like, I'm definitely done. I definitely want to go now. Uh, Yeah, watershed moment in that way. It felt as much of a destruction as the Germany-Brazil game in the World Cup in 2014. So those are the three games. One exciting and two kind of just interesting moments, right? I think that's something that's, that's always interesting to talk about with football. All right, I wanted to get into what I'm looking forward to for the year, right? So, first of all, women's football has had a big explosion this year. Coverage has has increased. If you haven't heard of ATA football and you are interested in watching the women's game, ATA, ATA football, they stream games and they also have replays and highlights, and it's super worth it. Look, I know some of you, especially men, you maybe think, I don't want to watch the women's game. It's slow. It's not true. Maybe you feel that way. But I'd say give it a chance because one thing you won't see is outrageous amounts of play acting and antics and 
and feigning injury and diving. It is so much more of an honest game. And, you know, there was an, a big increase in viewership on that this year. Tobin Heath and Kristen Press went to Man United, and for three days their their jerseys were outselling any of the men's. So it goes to show that there is a genuine interest in this. It's growing. That, I think, is exciting. And I do recommend for anyone who may be somewhat disenchanted with some of the stuff you see on the men's side, watch some of the women's game. Uh, okay, I want VAR to be better. And I hope this year... A few changes are made to the protocols to just try and make it take less time for it to be involved less frequently to allow the officials to officiate the game again. I also would like for the officials to start cracking down on, you know, the antics and the play acting and a lot of the uh, the way that they just receive abuse throughout the game. I'd like to see them take matters in their own hands a little bit more. It would actually make it not look like there's big babies out on the field. Just... My own personal opinion on that. I'm excited for the fans to be back full on. And hopefully that makes the Euros this summer be the epic party we would all want it to be. That would be really exciting. And here's an interesting one. You know, I would obviously, as a neutral, I would love to see the Bayern and Juve dynasties be sort of shaken up and broken. I would also love to see investment, foreign investment come into France and buy another club uh, and give PSG a real rival, at least one real rival for the title every year on a financial level as well. I think that would be kind of cool. But I would love to see a different team win either the Bundesliga or Serie A this year. Uh, I know this is probably – these are – the next two are long shots. But I would like to see big-name players – go and get themselves sponsorship deals with smaller boot companies. Like Neymar went to Puma, and that is a big thing because everyone right now is either Adidas or Nike. And I think it'd be really exciting to see, you know, maybe Kylian Mbappe rocking Mizunos, right? Or someone's got to bring Umbro back. Who's who's rocking Jomas? Where are the Kelmes? I mean, you know, we the Pantofolas are beautiful cleats. Where, where are those at? So I would I would like to see, you know, more boots back out there again, not just the latest line of Nikes or Adidas. So credit to Neymar for doing the Puma deal. I hope more people start doing what he did. And the final one, like I said, probably a long shot. I would like to see one of the ex-pros, one of these guys, become a referee and refereeing at the highest level because I'm sick and tired of them complaining about the fact that referees weren't professionals were players at the highest level when none of them actually want to go do the job themselves. And I know it's there's a lot of complications, and one day I will actually go into making a full episode about why we don't see that as much. But those are my hopes for 2021. And overall, look, this was a really, really weird year. It was hard. We don't know what the future will hold. We could in, encounter worse years down the line. So let's all remember what we learned, what we took away, and the fact that we didn't just lose everything, right? Things are still intact in our society. We still have this game. Football came back, and that's a beautiful thing. Thanks so much, everybody. Happy New Year. This is Campfire Football, and I look forward to the next 12 months of being with you guys. Take it easy.